Coming up on today's Compassion Radio. I opened the mailbox and I cried. That year, it was the coldest winter ever. We hadn't sold our house yet, but we had to keep all the utilities on so that the pipes wouldn't freeze. I got an $800 electric bill, which was more than our mortgage. Aaron gets home and I'm like, Baby, I don't know what we're going to do. A couple weeks went by. We're going to have to set up a payment arrangement. The next day, we got a refund from when we had purchased our house. And the date on the check was the day after I got that letter. What is it like to live a life of extraordinary faith? Loud prayers, bold statements, bravely going places that others fear to go? Well, maybe, and maybe not. How about quietly reaching out to God and reminding Him of His promises to always provide? And I'm not just talking about food, clothing, or shelter. I really believe that exemplary lives are lived on the edge when obedient people realize that only God can get them out of a bind. And along the way, they discover that God may very well have intended that all along. In God's economy, we don't always understand how we got where we are or how we're going to get out of circumstances beyond our control. Real faith accepts that God knows, God cares, and God leads us in the right way every time if we are willing to follow. Aaron and Stacey Jackson are absolutely two of those kind of people. Because of their unique circumstances, they had to put it all on the line for Jesus, including the very lives of their precious sons. Their testimony will probably shatter some of your most long-standing preconceptions, and in times like these, we very much need that very thing. Thanks for joining us today. We're back for another program on Compassion Radio with our friends Aaron and Stacy Jackson. Dear friends, because of what Christ has been doing through you, you've ministered to us, especially at crucial times in our lives. We respect what Jesus was doing in our lives because of you and through you. And that cements relationships. You earned it. And so we have ever-increasing admiration for you, and we're so glad we're reconnecting after all these years. You talked about God's provision on last program, how He grew your faith before He grew your confidence that he was going to provide, but then you actually saw what faith does when you offer it to him first, and he rewards it with his promise. The truth is, the promise was there all along. But we enter into it and discover, oh, it's not just a promise in general, it's God's promise for me. So tell me about how you stepped into that kind of faithful, generous living that God had for you. Um, We had just moved from Illinois down here. This was in 2003. And we went from two incomes and one mortgage to two mortgages and one income. <laughs> and yeah, Should just, I ask? <laughs> and I remember I pulled up to the mailbox. I opened the mailbox and I sat right in my car and I cried because we had received an electric bill from Illinois. That year, it was the coldest winter mm-hmm. ever. We hadn't sold our house yet. But we had to keep all the utilities on so that the pipes wouldn't freeze. And that month, I got an $800 electric bill, which was more than our mortgage. So I'm sitting there and I'm bawling. And Aaron gets home and I'm like, baby, I don't know what we're going to do. 
I don't know how we're going to be able to pay our bills and take care of the kids and do what we got to do. I just don't know how we're going to do it. And a couple weeks went by. It was coming time. And I'm like, okay, I got to call these people. We're going to have to set up a payment arrangement that you figure out how we're going to pay this and how that's going to impact us closing the sale of our house. The next day, the next day, I went to the mailbox and I opened the mailbox and in the mailbox was a check that we got a refund from when we had purchased our house. And the date on the check was the day after I got that letter. I got that letter. It was like on the 18th. The check was cut on the 19th of that same month. But the check was enough to cover everything that we needed, mm. plus $10. <laughs> I was Pizza like, don't spend it all in place. <laughs> don't spend it all in place. But it was one of those things where God never gives you a vision without first making provision mm. for you. And that's one of the things you learn too, right? This is, this is part of what happened in our faith walk, which was getting to a point where we got to say, we understand that we want to understand every situation. We want to know what it's like. You still live your life. You still honor and do what God commands us to do. And then you have faith that he will give you provision for what you need. Not always what you want, mm. but what you need. And we've seen this so many times. People don't understand this one. This is one where you go, yeah, you know what? I don't worry about situations. I don't worry about them. I have seen God do far too many things for me to wonder about. Well, you know, if I have a situation, you know, that's you. you. You're living in the world. You're wondering about how the world's going to take care of it. God's provision has always been more than enough. And again, it doesn't always mean that it's worked out the way that we wanted it to, right? But it has always meant that there's never been an unmet need in our house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess the cynics, you talked about some people even in your own families that have been naysayers over the years because they don't want to own up their own failures. Therefore, their envy wants to denigrate your success. But really what you're talking about here is God's success and giving Him glory for what He's done. Always. And pursuing excellence as your gift back to Him. Mm-hmm. That's worship. You know, when He puts stuff in stewardship with you and you say, Lord, while you were gone, I looked at what you gave me and thought, this is precious. I went and I did this with it. I doubled your money. I made this, of these things happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That parable is not just a parable, it's a financial plan. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, anybody at any stage in life could be saying, what is it that God put in my hand? They can see it literally. What is it, Lord, you put in my hand? And ask him to tell you so you know what it is defined by him and not you. In that story, of course, it was defined by numbers in gross, vast sums. These people were money managers of the highest rank. And yet one was incredibly unfaithful with it because he didn't trust his master. He also didn't trust himself mm-hmm. and felt poorly to everybody, including himself. What's going to come of that? Nothing good. So there's obviously some principles there that are just common sense once you accept them. But they are spiritual principles, too, where they still had to do the investing. They still had to go out there and do the work and take risks. You know, the kind of things that God says I reward are not the things that are always playing it safe about everything. And if it's going to be a spiritual principle, whatever God puts in our hands, we have to choose what is the riskiest thing that seems reasonable based on the trust that God has put in me. And am I brave enough to step in there and say, God, I don't know how, but it seems you're making it obvious I should do this risky thing. And I follow you. 
I'm going to ask you a risky question now. Okay. And I ask it because I know you as friends, and I know that you are gracious and grateful people. You worship, and you thank God for all that He's brought your way. And this may seem a little insensitive, but how do you praise God for being born black in America? What do you see about your position and the way God put you in the families you are that's different from the majority white experience that we have grown up in ourselves? And you look at it and say, thank God he did that. For starters, God never makes a mistake. And I am, I am a reflection of him. I was made in his image. So there is nothing wrong with me. I just happen to be blessed with a whole lot of melanin and it's not my fault. But everything that I have gone through as a person, as a black woman in this country and in the society and the things of that nature, I don't fault God for any of that. That is all man. That is the the flaws of man, not of God. So to say, how can I be concerned or be worried about or upset because God made me black. God blessed me when he made me black. I don't see anything wrong with what I am. You know, God is God. And when I look at people and I'm just like, I look at you and I look at Sandy, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ and you're no different than me. And so I'm not angry or upset with God in any way because he made me for a divine purpose. I look at you and don't see any liabilities whatsoever. I mean, (laughs) you're an amazing woman, and I enjoy being with you. And you steward that melanin in your skin with great aplomb. Thank you. I do what I can. I do what I can. Everything about you is just a blessing to me. But I, I do have to ask that question because you have to make a choice to say, not just that God didn't make a mistake, but that it's good to be who I am. Oh, absolutely. And and enjoy that. Go ahead, Aaron. When you ask the question, I had to think about it for a second. There are, are two things that come to mind, right? One is, I remember a time when we read a book called Shape, right? And the other one that comes to mind as I think about this is Purpose Driven Life. Mm-hmm. And there is a reason, a reach that only you can reach, right? I've talked to certain people and I've said, look, I cannot reach certain people because they see my skin tone and they don't go past it. And I have the same ability to reach people. I have purpose to reach the same kind of structure of people that maybe you can't reach, right? Maybe to influence their life, maybe to give them direction, whatever it is. When I look at it, I go, what purpose? And I remember this from a very young age, I felt called. And I remember thinking to myself for many years, man, God, you wanted me for a long time. What is it you really want me to do? And as I got older, the answers became to reach people who you can reach, to fulfill a purpose that is unique to you and you alone. And so to be black in this country at this time um, gives me an opportunity to say, hey, young black man, young black woman, you can succeed. When you ask me how I did it, I can tell you things like not through me, not me. Not my work, right? I'm here because God blessed us to do so. And if you want to know how things work, then here, let's have a conversation about it. That's what it means to me. And no, I don't, look, 
I know some people get upset and frustrated about this stuff. I am not upset and frustrated about being black in America. Look, things are not equitable. And it has its own unique problems. But I'm glad that I have an opportunity to do what I do, to meet who I meet, to influence who I do. That is my unique challenge. And, and I kind of worry sometimes because that isn't the story for everybody. Yeah. Friends, before we jump back to today's interview, I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly with gifts large and small and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. We're here to bring you real good news in every situation. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478 to make your gift. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone. Or visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Thank you, friends, for everything you've done and what you'll do today. We love you. And now, back to the interview. I'm glad that I have an opportunity to do what I do to meet who I meet, to influence who I do. That is my unique challenge. And, and I kind of worry sometimes because that isn't the story for everybody. Yeah. Let's go there. Okay. That isn't the story for everybody. Right. You have three amazing young men that I adore that are similar ages to our older kids and watch them grow up and play with our kids running through the neighborhood when we were at Bible study. Who knows what, oh, yeah. what havoc they were wreaking around the place. Windows. Yeah, breaking yeah. things along the way. Yeah. Um, and they're grown men now, moved away from home. How, as a mom and a dad, I would be, I don't want to say terrified, I would be fearful all of the time because of the climate that we're living in now. Black young men are being taken out across this country, and even young women. And it's devastating to see that. It's hard to turn the news on because you just don't know, is this happened again? Is there going to be another story of a young black man that was gunned down or that was taken out? What do you do? How do you deal with that on a daily basis? And how can I not watch the news every night and not think about Desmond and Donovan and Darius. Yeah, yeah. I know you're going to have a lot to say on this one. Um, I want to start with something. 25 years ago, 25 years ago, she went through something where she was pulled over, profiled, guns drawn, get out of the car, sit on the sidewalk, right? And yeah, and we went through this 25 years ago. You fast forward and... We've watched over the years, and we've watched our children grow, and, and it was so great to watch them when they were innocent, and they didn't see any of this, right? And, you know, we, don't, we never seeded these questions in their head. We just watched and we said, okay, well, that's not really good, but they don't see it, so we don't worry about it. As our children have gotten older, the hardest part of, of this for me, it was always, I want our boys to grow up to be young men who can live their own lives and feel good and confident. I look at it now, and while it may terrify her, the best I can do is to say we raised three young men who go out into this world, who project an image of not just confidence, but people who are high-quality, high-character men. Absolutely. Who fear the living God. 
Yes. yes. And, and when I see that, my only hope is that something won't happen to them, but at the same time, I have to trust that it's out of my hands. It is not in my hands anymore. And for a mom, I can expect that is much harder than for a father, to be honest with you. Um, but as, as a father, I, I know that what I did through my time was to raise them and prepare them. Um, but they see it now. They see it in every way, shape, and form. And they experience it when my oldest is out at the grocery store. and He walks out in plain clothes and they follow him and they profile him. And when he puts on his uniform, then they don't want to do that. And it wasn't him who watched it and I identified it. It was his wife. His wife saw this happening to him. And, you know, I hate to say this. I know when people are watching me in the store. You get used to it. Like, okay, I know it's happening. I'll walk a couple blocks. Okay, it's the same person. He knew it. She didn't know it. I want to add here that his wife is a white young woman. Yes. So she had grown up and not, absolutely, had not grown up experiencing that. So when she and Desmond got married, this was probably a rude awakening for her. And that was the thing. And it was very much a real conversation that they needed to have, Mm -hmm. you know, as a young mixed couple. I hate using the term interracial because there's only one race of people. There's there's just humans. We just come in different flavors. I'm just saying. But that was a conversation that they had to have, especially when you decide we want to have children. Mm -hmm. What does that mean going forward? And so having to have that conversation. So for her, she started to see things that she didn't see before. But she saw things from another perspective in that health-wise and how people treated her and where her family was financially. She got things from a different perspective. She wasn't from the affluent family or anything of that nature. So she had her own issues. But having to worry about where you're going or who you're with and things of that nature, that was not something she had to worry about. She walked through the world freely. And now that she has this black husband, things are different. And so, you know, those are conversations and things they have to think about when they want to have children. For me as a mom, you know, as we talked before, I have to trust God and I pray over my children every single night. From the time that they, I carried them in my womb till today, I still pray for them. Thus far, God has protected our children. It doesn't mean that they haven't experienced hardships and haven't been mistreated by police officers and things done to them. You guys know our middle son, we had to buy him a new car so he wouldn't be racially profiled. Twelve times. Twelve times. And when I got so frustrated the last time my child called me extremely upset at three o'clock in the morning. At 8.15, I was on the phone with the Lubbock police and I wanted to speak to the chief. I wanted to know why my child was being pulled over. And these illegal searches and the things that were happening to him were not right. And the scary part about all of it was when the police sergeant called me back. There's a database for the state of Texas that police officers can check and they can see 
when a car was pulled over, things of that nature. There was only one documented case that my child had been pulled over. And that was by a state trooper. That was the November before that, when he had come home for Thanksgiving. All the other times, there was no record that my child had been pulled over. There was only one documented time out of all those times that he was pulled over. Just dealing with that, I pray over my children, but does it mean I don't get angry? And my husband says, Stacy, you are not going to Lubbock mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you mess with my kids, yeah, the gloves come off and the mama bear claws come out. Sure. And I was on my way to Lubbock, Texas. And let me tell you, I probably would have been calling you guys because I would need bail money to get out because <laughs> I was going to be in there for a long time. It was difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. But I just have to trust. I trust God with my children's lives. I trust God with your kids' lives, too, but I would be stupid if I tried to say that it'll be okay, Stacy, and speak as if I know. I don't. I don't know what God's going to require of your obedience and of theirs to follow him into dark places. I think about the times that I see you post things about the boys. We'll talk a little bit more about that on our final program in the series coming up tomorrow. There's one more episode in the special series with the Jacksons. Fair warning, though, it's very personal, honest, and in some ways spiritually raw. And it's, oh, such good medicine for our troubled hearts. I sincerely hope you'll join us again for that broadcast. And make sure to share with your friends that this series is available 24-7 on our website, CompassionRadio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts.
just before my closing eyes shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's fame shadows flee and life and death oh Lord abide with me. Abide, abide, oh abide with me. Abide, abide, oh abide with me. There is so much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. Knowing that you're being challenged to live out your faith like never before is a wonderful encouragement to us as well. I hope you'll take time today to drop us a note through our website or by email. You can reach me directly at the following address, bramfloria at compassionradio.com. However you reach out, know that we're in this ministry and this work for you and because of you. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. Call one 800 868 And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com. We're waiting for you, friends. Hop on board.